If you're looking for proven ways to take your fundraising results to the next level, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Intentional Fundraiser Podcast, hosted by Tammy Zonker. Tammy has trained and led thousands of nonprofit organizations to collectively raise more than a half billion dollars and is also recognized as one of America's top 20 fundraising experts. This is the podcast where Tammy equips and empowers amazing fundraising pros like you to transform your fundraising so you can transform the world. And now, let's hear from Tammy. Today, we're recording from the Nonprofit Storytelling Conference in sunny San Diego, California, where I'm talking with James Martin. James is the CEO of RallyCorp, where they provide human-centered text messaging for nonprofits so they can rally people and mobilize support. His personal mission is to inspire and equip people for personal, professional, and leadership development so they can live with purpose, accomplish their goals, and give back to others. James, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tammy. And that sounds so much better coming from you. So thank you for that introduction. <laughs> you're very welcome. We're so excited that you're here. You. Let's just jump in, shall we? Let's do it. All right. To start off, could you share some common myths or misconceptions about texting nonprofit donors and supporters that you've encountered? Like what myths have there been and how does RallyCorp address them? Yeah, great question. So I think when it comes to the text messaging, a lot of people feel like it's intrusive. And that's say, I would say that's the first myth we often run into. And they're right. I mean, it's a highly effective channel. People are going to see your message. And you know that's true because when you hit send, you realize there's no pulling it back. It's not like it's going to land in spam or promotion. The way we've addressed that is, as you mentioned earlier, the human-centered approach. We just remember that it's people talking with people. And that the more you can keep the person in the center, both the person you're talking to, but your personality and your brand. So, yeah, I think the first myth just really comes down to, remember, those are people on the other end yeah. of your message. Human-centered. Human-centered. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. great. What are some of the key benefits of using text messaging as a communication tool in nonprofit organization? And how do you think it differs from other communication channels? Yeah, great question. Tell me, I think that it comes down to, and I'm, I'm, I'm not much of a sports guy, but I'm going to use a sports analogy. So I'm going to run the risk of getting comments on that. It's always dangerous. It's too, very dangerous. So I, here's, yeah. Yeah, go for so it. So I would say that you can bat 30% and still land in the Hall of Fame. So when it comes to communications, it's about repetition and it's choosing the, the, a broad spectrum of channels. So it's not a one size fits all. And it's not, hey, we're going to email only or text only. So I'm a text guy. I still email. For my strategy, it's really a mobile first strategy. And that's where we look at email, text messaging, social, direct mail, whatever channels have worked before. And then we layer text message on top of those to see if we can increase our capacity or our throughput. So right off the bat, the first difference would be you're going to get eyeballs on your message, 100%. Very few messages get ignored. They're going to at least swipe it and just swipe it if they read the message. <laughs> so first off is they're going to get eyeballs. And then the second is it's immediately actionable. It's hard not to click on a video if you get one by text or to acknowledge a graphic or to see, to read, you know, it's a shorter medium. You're going to get eyeballs. You're going to get action. The question just comes down to is the right eyeballs and is the action relevant? Yeah. I read somewhere and you'll know better than I, but I read somewhere that 90% of text messages are read within 11 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And I think about the number of emails I've sent and the no responses, like the email abyss, because people's inboxes are so full. Yeah. And so 
it just makes good sense that text messaging is a really powerful tool and maybe, as you said, mobile first yeah. strategy. Yeah, Tammy, and I appreciate that. Yeah. And I'll say this, we sat out with one mission as a company and that was to mobilize people. In retrospect, it's funny to think about it, what we where we landed, but the very first meeting when we brought our team together was we want to figure out the strategy that would get 250 people to Pacific Beach to do a beach cleanup to activate or mobilize that audience. So how does one do that? Is that geofencing? Is it direct mail? Is it push notifications? So I didn't care about the technology. I cared about the why. It's connecting with people, drop a pin in the map and get them to show up. What turned out to be the case, and much to my own pushback initially, because I wasn't thrilled about texting, to be clear. We were about rallying people and driving action. When the team came to me and said, hey, we've looked at the numbers. People are not installing the little test app we built. Push notifications are browser dependent. They don't always work across all phones. Renting a plane and putting a, a banner behind <laughs> it was cool, but not really actionable. QR codes were, you know, this is before COVID, so they were kind of, you know, taking a back seat at the time. When we looked at the different technologies, we thought, man, what's true about everybody is they all text. So if you're going to meet people where they are, you have to consider text message. But full disclosure, Tammy, I was the guy in the office that was a little resistant to it at first because yeah. I thought, man, that's pretty personal. Yeah. Yeah. But the results won you over. 100%. Mm -hmm. yeah. There was no other way we could get 250 people to the, to the beach reliably, consistently, weekend after weekend, because any other channel, they were just ignoring us. Mm-hmm. And I think there's maybe some stereotypes, too, around who will text, right? Absolutely. Will an older demographic, yeah. will the maturers or older, will yeah. they text? And it's proven out. It Absolutely, has. they text, yeah. right? I mean, I'm an old guy and I text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, you know, the, in fact, I wrote a blog post a while back to old people text and I got some pushback. My wife's like, ah, maybe don't say old people, but. Here's the thing, the demographic, my grandma text, you know, in fact, it's unloving to call my grandma on the landline that's hanging on her wall because she's got a bad hip and she'll probably fall on the way and Aww. she's going to try to get, bless her heart, but she carries her phone with her. So if I text her now, she wants to know who's texting her. So brand and, and, and caller ID really matters in that case. And there's a lot of scammers, particularly with some of the older generations. So if you're talking much older people, then we really need to think about best practices to make sure that they know who they're receiving a text message from. But that's the same with email. There's yeah. a lot of scam by email as well. Sure. So there's workarounds if you're really intentional by segment. 100%. Right? Yeah, it's really good. Can you tell us about a specific success story where RallyCorp helped a nonprofit debunk a myth or overcome a challenge in engaging donors through text messaging? Yeah, I just got off a phone this morning and I was a bit surprised. I, in fact, I told the client, I'm like, can I please get a quote from you for my website? It's incredible. So this client had an opportunity to go on CNN and a show that had 12 million viewers. And so we scrambled the last minute to get a keyword up and running. That's a pretty unique situation. And they're not normally on CNN with 12 million, just the state of things overseas had kind of pushed them into the spotlight. So they wanted to figure out a very quick way to make sure that if anybody was watching or listening, even, and this was kind of evergreen content. So think about content that may be around for a while, has a longer shelf life, just because it'll be played and replayed. They wanted to make sure that these people had a quick way to take out their phone and take action in the moment. The executive director was on board, the communication person was on board, the board wasn't so sure, because that's a lot of viewership. Don't we just send them to our website? But we made them a deal. We're like, I don't think you're gonna get 12 million people to a browser in that moment. So can we in fact have a very simple way for them to text in? And they raised a million dollars over the course of the weekend, which just blew my mind. Amazing. A million dollars, yeah. And a hundred and some odd thousand was attributed directly to the text line. 
So yeah, it just, it was an opportunity kind of presented to them how quickly we could stand up the operation. But at the end of the day, everybody watching the show has a phone. Yeah. Well, I would say most of them. Yeah. I'm curious about if I could be a fly in the wall at that board meeting that followed exactly. that million dollar yeah. over the weekend. They just upgraded their account. So I think they're quite happy. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it. You know, you've talked a bit about this. A lot of nonprofits worry about privacy and spam concerns when using text messaging. So how do you ensure that donors and supporter data is handled securely and that messages are compliant with the regulations? And those regulations are evolving, right? Yeah, they certainly are. Yeah, it's an interesting market because even September 1, another regulation round changed. So, you know, we're in the middle of it. We have a compliance officer that works for us that works specifically with that. We're insured with text messaging. So our internal team is obviously on the hook too. So we have to really be on top of these things. But what we find is we don't want to make decisions for our donors. We want to just allow them the option to check a box if they want to opt in. And we always give them a way to opt out. So there's a demographic out there that would prefer a text message over a phone call or a phone call over an email. So the key is to find out who are your donors, how do they prefer communicating, and then don't make decisions for them. Let them opt in and opt out as they see fit. Yeah. But yeah, as long as there's a, a documented paper trail that they opted in, and of course we can help you with that, and Brother Fenders can as well. But you should work with an organization that's willing to help you document that process, make sure it's frictionless, and really think. Yeah. What are some of the more effective ways for organizations to know their donors and to know their preferred communication channels? Well, number one, ask. Yeah, uh, Just ask. simply ask. Having a checkbox on a form. Most folks are quite comfortable getting a text message immediately following making a donation or registering for an event. So if you have an event or a gala, for example, and they register, why not send them the directions to the venue via text message? That's where they're going to want the information anyway. So if you send them more of an informational text message, that's helpful. If there's a rain event or if, at the day of the event or leading up to the event, if there's alert messages you can send out, they don't all have to be solicitation messages. Yeah. And that's probably really important. Very important. That they aren't all solicited because you will get the stop, unsubscribe, yeah, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. So telling stories, sharing impact. Useful information like directions, yep. right, can be very helpful. Playlists, really anything you think about on your phone. Playlist, video, the content we typically consume on our phone, including the emails we're checking, often on our phones, particularly when you're at a conference. So all of those channels are most likely being consumed on their phone. Social certainly being consumed on their phone. So if they're already on their phone consuming this content, texting is just the one channel today, and it may change tomorrow, but today that allows me an immediate access to someone. Mm -hmm. So how do we leverage that to our yeah. What are some of the best practices for creating engaging and effective text messages that really resonate with donors and supporters? Yeah. So I would say story. We're at the story conference, so we're going to yeah. just nail story. Anytime you can make the story about an individual, we had this impact. I'm on, of course, a lot of text lists myself just because I, I love signing up to watch customers use the tool in action. But got a text message yesterday from a nonprofit working uh, with individual-based kind of rehab individuals. And so they were able to show a story of an individual and having gone through the program and what it meant. It was a one-minute impact video, very simple. You could tell they shot it on their iPhone. It wasn't anything high-tech. Not highly produced at all. It wasn't highly produced at all. And then they just shared it. And it was very moving. One person made an impact on one person. And it was a gratitude text message thanking us for participating in the previous. Yeah, love it. So in your experience, what are some of the most common mistakes that nonprofits make when using text messaging as a communication tool? And how do they avoid those problems, those mistakes? 
a lot of times we, we have these ideas that there's just a one size fits all, or we have a, uh, I'm going to try it once or twice and then and turn it off. And this is true for anything, not just text message. I think really coming in with an open mind to say, hey, this is like anything, it's going to take some time. It's a new channel. We need to develop that list. But I think the number one mistake, Tammy, people make is they're just not building a list of opt-in. Nothing's more disheartening to hear a nonprofit say, hey, we're going to set this one out. We'll do it next year. And then they come back next year and they usually do. And they have done nothing between, you know, that's 11, 12 months of lost contact. Yeah. And if you're not currently capturing phone numbers and consent and sending a text message immediately following that opt-in and that consent to say, hey, thank you for signing up. Here's how you get off the list. Then when you Giving Tuesday, these events roll around, you're no closer to having a list. Yeah. And that's just unfortunate. It, gets, it takes time to yeah. build a moment. Talk to us about the process. Like, how do I go about building a robust list and getting that opt-in and collecting those mobile numbers. I'm a big believer in coming along with what you're already doing. So if you have a social media following and you're already producing great content on social, it's very easy to lay an image on an image that called action. That called action could be a www.whatever.com or it could be text this to that to learn more. So highly effective to leverage channels that you're already in like social uh, email. I love seeing people move email subscribers over to text message with a one click to opt in or drive it into a form that pops up a form where they can just click a button and opt in. So really frictionless tools to take channels between social uh, podcasts like this or you know anything that you're speaking, maybe on a video, and then of course email. But take the channels you're already doing and start moving folks into mobile as one more layer of community. Yeah, yeah I love it. So build on what mobile. you already have going on. Yeah, it's really good. Can you provide some other examples of innovative ways that Rally Corp has helped engage nonprofits to connect with those donors? I mean, are there beyond building off existing lists and through social, have you found that awareness campaigns or rallies or advocacy opportunities, anything kind of innovative in that space? Yeah. You know, we have a client that does, that works a lot with human trafficking mm -hmm. and they have billboards throughout many major cities. And as you're driving down the billboard, there's a compelling call to action, some imagery that's very, you either love it or you hate it. It's very, it, it elicits a response. And I had a coach many years ago, Tammy, tell me, if you're not saying things that people are disagreeing with, you're probably not saying. Yeah. So this so organization, very of. provocative. Mm -hmm. So this organization is good at getting you to take awareness. Now, what they do in that moment is to reduce the barrier for you to take action. They don't want to send you to a website. Number one, if they send you to a website, they don't necessarily even know that you're there. I mean, of course, the website's on the billboard in some cases, but unless you're running some more high-tech marketing technology behind the scenes, it's really hard to know that James was at your website. And in, unless I complete a form, you don't know that I was even. Yeah. So the key then is to give simple calls to action where someone can text in to get a link to the website because now you have their cell phone. And with their cell phone, you can do all kinds of things. You can remarket them or retarget them. You can bring them back to have them finish the form if they complete the link or they don't click on the link even. So there's quite a bit of ways to capture phone numbers from the audience or from the community. But yeah, I think just leveraging mediums that you're already in and think about how to reduce the friction for someone to actually take action. Yeah. In the moment. What I love about that example too is that it's authentic engagement, right? Like we are saying something that's provocative statement or you know, like a really maybe upsetting myth-busting stat or awareness-raising oh, stat sure. versus those opportunities like text to win a prize or be entered yeah. into a drawing or 
right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen some creative, we had a, we had a client that took a, I don't know, uh, may not work for everybody, but this one's dealing specifically with some rehab. And so they worked with the local pubs and restaurants to put out, I don't know if, if you know about restaurants, I, I didn't know this myself, but the little coasters that they give you, yeah. they will take a stack of coasters for free and each because they just go through so many of them. And so it's a great way to walk into a pub and say, hey, we're a local nonprofit, which you consider our coasters. And um, there's a QR code on there. And when they scan the QR code, it triggers a text message to learn more. So again, it's a quick way to get someone who's sitting there who you would normally not be able to engage with to engage in the moment. Uh, this particular customer raises money all the time. It's quite amazing to see how many people, you know, sometimes six or seven, sometimes 10 or 12, but just all weekend long, people are texting in and yeah. taking action. And that's space under a cup that no one was really thinking to use. Yeah. And they're inexpensive to produce. Very inexpensive. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, they found a sponsor, I think, in their case that actually just paid for the coasters. So it was just a win on. Yeah. I love that. So how does Rally Corp tailor its services to the unique needs of specific nonprofit organizations and their goals? And why is customization important in the world of text messaging? Yeah, I, I love the question of customization because it means different things to different people. So what we say by customization typically is that it's a universal truth. Everybody needs to communicate. I don't care what yes. you're doing. If you're relying on people, then communication is critical. So we start with the assumption that you are a human and you're communicating with humans. And if that's the case, then mobile or texting is one more channel. So beyond that, we look at what CRM you're using. I'm busy. You're busy. None of us want to manage another database. We certainly don't want to manage another inbox. So there's ways to route that, set things up, leverage AI, some different technologies like that make my job a little easier. So a lot of the time, we just spend time in the onboarding process, identifying what are your main goals and... Um, it's not rocket science, but just real quick, what is your main goal? What does success look like? And if we were to hit this out of the ballpark, what's the one thing that we would need to get right? And then we just make sure that's set up. I love it. Like Covey's begin with the end in mind, right? Yeah. yeah 100%. Work backwards. That's right. Reverse uh, engineer it. Reverse engineering. Yep. Awesome. Can you share any insights into the effectiveness of ringless voicemail in nonprofit fundraising and how it might complement text messaging? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So ringless voicemails are very effective as another channel. Remember, it takes seven to nine touches sometimes to get people to take action. So if you're going to send a text, might as well send a voicemail. It's not for everybody. Again, we're not making decisions for our donors. We'll let them opt in and opt out. But we know calling is highly effective, but it doesn't scale, particularly if you're a smaller team. So voicemails can be left in such a way that make it sound very personal, like you literally just missed the phone call. So one strategy we've seen very successful is just to mass produce a message and send it to everybody gets the same message, follow up with a text message, and then filter the inbox for replies and responses and callbacks. Make sure the phone can call back phone number, of course. So you're basically at that point sending out a message and then you're responding to the callbacks and the clicks so that you can identify, okay, these are people that are currently online and available for conversation. Beyond that, the Special Olympics just sent out a voicemail and they had one of their clients, a beautiful young woman who left a message about upcoming polar plunge, Again, if you come by our website, we have several recordings that you can listen to. But anytime you can incorporate client or client families or the benefit beneficiaries of your service and tell their story, that goes a long ways to actually getting people to say, hey, these are real people. Yeah. We're making. Yeah. I love that. I think that we, you know, we're here at the Nonprofit Storytelling Conference. Obviously, we value the many voices, the many stories that can be told. That's right. And that's what fuels us. Even if we've made a first-time gift, it's a way for us to be inspired to make that next gift yeah. or maybe become so a monthly giver. So true. 
Yeah. yeah. And we can tailor that call to action to your we point. Can. Yeah. And it's less about the what we do or even the how we do it. It's the why we do it. And if we're doing something that's worth doing and it's important and it is, right? I mean, that's what we wouldn't be doing it. Right. I hope. Then it's a question of picking the channel that's going to get the most effectiveness. And that may be text. It may not be. Again, that's why we want a quick conversation before we just have to, you can go sign up. But it's helpful to have a 15-minute conversation because if your audience is X or your purpose is Y or your call to action is Z, that those are, might be things that we need to consider before we just go throw a text message in. Yeah. And to your point, that's why strategy is so important. Understanding Absolutely. your donor base or supporter base or probable supporter base. Or volunteers. Or volunteers. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And having a multi-channel approach to engaging them and letting them opt in and tell you what they prefer. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. good. James, what advice do you have for nonprofit leaders who are considering incorporating text messaging into their donor engagement strategy, but maybe they're a little unsure of where to begin? or have concerns about the costs or the investment that's required? Yeah, so I would start with just looking at the data you're capturing right now. Are you getting mobile phones and are you getting consent? I would start, if you're currently getting information from donors that does not include a mobile phone and does not include consent, then you're kind of done before you start. So I would start with that. It's a very simple lift. It's a very simple thing to do. Um, and then, you know, a uh, quick conversation with a, a partner like RallyCore to talk about, hey, this is what we're trying to do. I'm never a fan of adding something else to someone's plate if it doesn't support a key initiative. Yeah. So I started my life, my career out as a coach, and I will always be a coach at heart. I do not want them coming in and just starting another strategy or tactic. It really comes down to what are you doing? What's your primary objective this year? And then how does this technology, whether it's text or email or whatever, how does it support that? So a quick conversation with a partner that can help you figure that out. And then, of course, picking a message template and, and those kinds of things to really make sure you're getting the right bang for your buck, so to speak. Yeah. Love it. James, thank you. So helpful. Glad to be here. Yeah. Well, we're excited to have you. If you've enjoyed today's conversation and the insights that James has shared and want to learn more, check out the links and the resources that we've included in the show notes. Now, James, at the end of every episode, I like to ask a few rapid fire questions to provide even more on. value. Let's do it. Bring it on. All right. First one. What's the best fundraising advice you've ever heard? Yeah, I brought on a coach when I was working on my own fundraising campaigns. One of the first things they taught me, and it was just, it really kind of fuels the, the human centeredness, but it's people uh, communicating with people. So it's, they're, they're people on the other end of that line. Yeah. And then let's not forget. Yeah, so good. What book do you recommend to our audience and why? I just finished The Gap and the Gain, which is not really so much about fundraising, but it's about mindset and thinking about how we are, show up a little bit happier uh, and the work that we do. So basically the concept is this, you can look backwards and see the progress you've made, or you can look forward and you never hit the horizon. If you're just staring at the horizon, it can be pretty um, discouraging. Yeah. So take a moment, look back, look at the, what you've done in the past that's worked, and then look for clues there as to how you should proceed. Wonderful. What are the three most important traits a successful fundraiser must possess? Open mind, Open tenacity, mind. Yep. And I'm going to say some, because we're at the story conference, some version of story. You don't have to be a master storyteller, but just, you know, uh, identify stories that matter to you and, and why. Yeah, really good. What's your favorite fundraising application or tool? Oh, man, that's a hard one. So <laughs> I'm a tools guy. I love tools. So I think the best tool is the one that's in your hand that gets the job done. And for some people, that's a hammer. For other people, maybe a screwdriver. But there's a lot of really great tools out there. I would stay away from some of the ones that are always about the hype of what's new. I would just find tested and true channels and communications and tools that, and, and ask for case studies. 
And ask for case studies. And ask for case studies. Yeah. Absolutely. Really good. What's your favorite conference and why? Well, I'm going to have to say this one's been pretty impressive. Like this is my first time here and I love, love everybody I've met uh, so far. And the conversation has been amazing, has really resonated on a story. These are just great people. Yeah. So this is my track. Yeah. For sure. Awesome. Last question. Knowing what you know now about fundraising and donor communication, what advice would you give your younger self just getting started in the profession? Yeah. So I way overthink things. So I would say that the knowing comes in the doing. Take that first step and just iterate. Just it's about learning. There's no right or wrong. You know, there's clearly things that are outside the scope of our values and what we wouldn't do. You know what those are. Stay away from those. But when it comes to picking communication strategies, channels, technologies, just step out and take a chance. Try something new and see what you learned. You'd be surprised. Yeah, I love that. We talk a lot here about progress, not perfection. That's hard for us sometimes, isn't it? It is. We like to make certain everything's just right. That's right. Analysis paralysis. Yes, exactly. And sometimes we just don't execute. We don't. Yeah. James, again, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Tammy. So good to be here. If you want to learn more about James, Rally Corp, and how they can help you raise more money, attract and retain donors and volunteers, and a whole lot more, We've included links in the show notes, as well as links to the other resources that we've talked about today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Intentional Fundraiser Podcast. Keep on transforming your fundraising so you can transform the world. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you. Good job. The Intentional Fundraiser Podcast is a Fundraising Transformed original. It's hosted by me, Tammy Zonker, founder and president of Fundraising Transformed where we help equip and empower fundraisers, nonprofit leaders, and board members to transform their fundraising so they can transform the world. Visit fundraisingtransform.com slash podcast to subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my newsletter to get fundraising lessons, tools, and helpful resources delivered straight to your inbox each month. If you want my help with taking your fundraising to the next level, become a member of my Fundraising Transformers community as a growth member and join me live each month where I'll teach you the same strategies I use to lead, train, and coach thousands of nonprofits, social service organizations, healthcare foundations, private schools, colleges, and universities to collectively raise more than a half billion dollars including a single gift of $27.1 As a member, you can participate in my Ask Me Anything sessions every month and get answers to your burning questions. Chat with other growth members inside our private and safe online community about what you're working on, struggling with, and share lessons learned. And get instant access to my growing library of on-demand self-paced training classes. New content is added every single month. Learn more about becoming a member at fundraisingtransform.com slash growth. Talk soon.